But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to But Where Are You Really From? This week, we're super excited to have our second guest on the podcast, one of my best friends, Jenny. Thank you guys for having me. Um, it's been way too long to see your two beautiful faces. We were both <laughs> in New York together at NYU. Angela, I met my freshman year, got to see her grow. And Jesse, still living vicariously through you and your adventure. <laughs> a little bit about me personally. Originally from Houston, Texas, kind of grew up as a feisty little kid trying to follow whatever her brother did. Truly my upbringing was how do I prove myself and my worth within my family? Then decided to leave Houston area and go into the big city. And that was a big change for me. A lot of my friends stayed in Houston and kind of lived uh, that that life there. And for me, it was a, a big shift moving to New York. So it was great kind of landing there and meeting you guys. Awesome. So this week, our episode is about filial piety, which some of you may or may not have heard of. But before we jump into the definition of what it means, I'd like to open a question to everybody here, which is, what do you think of when you think of the word parents? I have to make sure my parents maybe don't listen to it. Uh, <laughs> I would say definitely authority, but probably love, safe space for me, guidance. It was a little bit of tough love, but definitely meant well. My first thought was like, uh, people who gave birth to me and raised me. <laughs> I would also say just somebody who's like there for you. And why I ask this question is I believe that most people think about their parents in context of yourself and your concept of your parental figures are all grounded around your personal self and how they're oriented in relation to you. What's interesting is that when we introduce this concept of filial piety, it's like completely opposite. So filial piety is kind of one of the main precepts of Confucianism. In the Clifton's version, it's basically a spoken or unspoken kind of form of obligation to your parents. So it's not just that you follow your parents because they're authoritative or you respect them or you love them, but you have this like karmic debt to your parents and you must always be trying to resolve that obligation. What's that mean? Like, how do you resolve this obligation to your parents? So you can do this through physical care, through love, through service, respect, and also acts of obedience. Initial thoughts? Well, first thing that came to mind is something that we talk about a lot, which is the juxtaposition of Western upbringing and, mm -hmm. and Eastern upbringing. And it's funny that all three of us still said the same thing in terms of like <laughs> the, the parent definition being centered around us because, I mean, at the end of the day, we all three of us grew up in the US. So I think yeah. all of us are still very kind of like self driven because that is American culture. It's interesting for sure because Jesse and I were raised on this concept of filial piety where, yeah, if you take a step back and think about it, it is like, you're not important in this context. It's just your parents that are important and like, you're just kind of a shadow behind that. I love the karma debt 
you know, and <laughs> illustrating that made it a little bit more easier for me to understand. And when you say obligation, it's interesting because I feel like my parents, it was more a sense of empowering me. For them, it, it wasn't so much as an obligation or a debt to pay with them. I've never really seen it as like, I'm the, the shadow of them versus they're kind of pushing me up the pedestal a little bit and look at what we've given you and this platform that you can be on. And how do you kind of raise that to the, the next level? That's really interesting because I feel I kind of vacillate between the two of you. I feel like when I was heading off to college, it was all very focused on myself because I had like spent so much time trying to develop who I wanted to be. And it's like this is a chance to do a fresh start. And then kind of after college and towards now, I feel more of the pull of that obligation mm -hmm. in a sense. And I'm not really sure if it's just like the distance makes me miss my parents more, make me want to do more nice things for them, or if it's this shadow of my childhood coming back to haunt me but like it's definitely been kind of like up and down in terms of like how I how I feel about it. The way that Jenny you described your parents as kind of like putting their hopes and wishes into empowering you is not fully the way our parents probably brought us up which is more like they had a lot of hopes and wishes for us which is why they like moved to this country so that we could have a better opportunity. But then there's this associated like weight and guilt that's put on mm -hmm. us because they already mm -hmm. sacrificed so much. So then when they're trying to like make sure you succeed, it's making sure you succeed in like their definition of success. And mm -hmm. if you have a different idea, you're gonna be constantly kind of like pushing against the, the current. Yeah, you just have to work like two times, three times as hard to like prove to your parents <laughs> that like where you want to go is like also a valid path because they just have this like tunnel vision of we see these like very successful figures and we want you to be one of them and that can only be like one of three things. I'm curious like what uh, growing up, what was like the tactics used? Because I could see like for me it was like you won't get go far if you don't do your homework or you're not disciplined and it was it. I feel like those tactics were all focused on me versus I'm curious to hear what tactics maybe or how that translated in your household. What was the threat behind your like daily choice? I don't think there were guilt trips. It didn't work that way. It was uh, mostly like authoritative. Like it would be like, okay. do this, do that, and we would do it. Yeah, I yeah. think Asian kids are generally just afraid of their parents. So like, <laughs> so if they told you to do something, you don't do it, you talk back, like they're gonna get loud and you're gonna be afraid. So you'll, you'll just do it. So you guys didn't need like the incentive or the trade-off. Like it was like, do your laundry or you can't go see your friends. No, that's like, that's no. too soft, man. <laughs> now we have a good sense of what the concept of filial piety means. We want to go a little bit deeper on the extent to which it has been flowing through our various experiences and we'll dig a little bit deeper into like the ways that it might have come about. The sense of filial piety is your relationship with your parents where the parents are the center. So the role of your grandparents in all of this is also like something worthwhile to talk about because even though your parents are receiving this like obedience and, and deference from you, they are supposed to be giving that to their own parents. So how much time did your parents really spend with your grandparents growing up or even now? Well, from my side, it was interesting because uh, my grandparents were based in North Dakota and then another set in Missouri. 
we didn't spend much time with my grandparents in North Dakota, aside from like summer visits and the occasional phone calls. My mom's mother, she did live with us for a period of time uh, when she became ill, which was an interesting setup for our family because her relationship with her mother was actually not great. There was no obligation on her end just because the way she was raised, she felt that she didn't earn that obligation. So limited touch points with my grandparents, but a little more so on my mother's side, just given the the situation and her coming to live with us uh, kind of at the close of her life. Was your mom an only child or why did she feel the need to... To take her in? Yeah. Yeah. If, if the relationship wasn't good. I, mean. I know. It's a long story, but essentially she's one of three sisters she had a close relationship with her dad. Her younger sister took that ownership when my grandfather fell ill. My grandparents were divorced at that time. And then in that period of our lives, uh, my mom felt like she could take the burden on a little bit more than the other sisters and just felt like it wasn't a, it was unfair to ask that of her little sister to take on another ailing parent. So honestly, I think it was more her sense of obligation to her sisters than to her mother. That's super interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. I think that's fairly unusual for like American families to take in the the grandparent, right? To live with them. Like my impression is kind of like, if you grew up in the US, it's kind of like you're 18, get out of the house. And like, you're like a separate human from like where you grew up and like you're now all adults and like living in your own bubbles on the like Asian well Chinese specifically side given the concept of filial piety actually one of the main tenets of it is that when your parents grow old you have an obligation to take them in that like they are supposed to live with you mm-hmm. so like you're this huge family of you know your your spouse your kids and and then the generation before you which is interesting because there is a sense of guilt, I would say, in terms of like my mom feeling like, well, what are we going to do? We can't necessarily put her in a nursing home, but do we bring her back into our home? I mean, it, it wasn't a natural decision for her to say, like, let's have her live with us. It wasn't just assumed that she would come live with us. I think the, the first instinct is like a nursing home. Eventually, she did go into a situation where she had her own setup. It wasn't a nursing home, but it was her own living area, but uh, with like two other people and they had a live-in nurse kind of tend to them as she was ailing and then eventually went into hospice care, which is also interesting. I would be curious to get your thoughts on, you know, not only when outside of when your grandparents just need to come back and live with a family unit, but when they're ailing, like what's the process like that with your family? Is that more tending to them to the very end or is it kind of seeking out um, this hospice care as an option too? Is, Is that kind of frowned upon? So I can speak from my own experience and I will just caveat that because it's not a very typical experience. I lived basically across the street from my grandparents, my dad's parents. What I observed there was that there was not really a talk of like hospice care at all. Like if there is like somebody in the family that is able to take them in, like they won't even talk about something like that. And my dad is one of one, two, 
four so he has four siblings both of my two uncles and one aunt both live basically like in the same town that i grew up so it, i don't think it would have been acceptable for anyone to be like let me put them in elder care or hospice care like because there are living descendants that are supposed to be obligated to take care of them but Angela, what about you? I mean, your your parents' grandparents are not here, so. Yeah, my experience is a little bit different because when I was growing up, I already only had one grandparent. So I only had my mom's mom. And so it's a little hard for me to say because she was in Taiwan. So I only saw her in the summers when we would go visit. And when she was getting sick, I was in America. So I couldn't really like, and really young. I think I was only in middle school at the time. So I like didn't really understand what was going on. But for my understanding, for sure, like all of her children, I'm sure were like trying to take care of her to the best of their ability till the end. We went a little heavy with the first topic, I would say. So hopefully we, we lighten it with a few other expressions. Do you want to jokes? I got some dad jokes. Do you want- Yo, you got some jokes? Tell them. Lighten the mood. Uh, I say that and now I have nothing. Um- <laughs> well, you can think of one later. <laughs> yeah, let me let me simmer on it. I'll think of a good one. So one thing we want to talk about is the various expressions of filial piety, like how those obligations were kind of communicated to us in terms of what our parents expected from us. One is for sure, like you always have to listen to your parents no matter what. You have to be a good kid. Like this is emphasized pretty hard, like a good and bad kid and like you better be the good kid and like not talk back to them. Then there are other things that are just kind of like a little random or like specific to to Eastern culture. So one is that when you grow up and you start making money, you're expected to carve out a portion of your salary to like act as an allowance yeah for your parents which i think jesse and i probably have had like different negotiations <laughs> around this topic but like theoretically that is one that you're supposed to be held to and then the other wow. is uh i know mm-hmm. I, my mind one. is blown on that Well, let's stay on the topic for a hot second. Um, I know for me, at least like when I first heard that, I was like, what do you mean? Like, why, why would I owe you money? That doesn't make any sense. Especially like Jenny, you and I had been friends right when, like, even after we graduated from NYU and got our first jobs, like I was making like $40,000 a year. I'm like, you, how do you expect me to give you any money? Yeah. 40,000 in New York with student debt from a private university. Like what do you want from me? No. So I think I've had to like battle my parents a bit on this one. Wait, so I'm sorry, for context, how did this come up? Like, do you remember, like, were your parents sitting you down and like had this conversation with you? Or is it just kind of like, understood that that's? Well, I think it's funny, because uh, Chinese parents, or maybe all Asian parents, I feel like they don't have a lot of tact. So like, I feel like when they first brought it up to me, it was just a normal day we were like talking about other things and they're like hey when you get your first job you know that you're, you're supposed to like give us 10 percent of your salary right i was like what <laughs> like, Wait, they like, like a hard number, number? I, I think so yeah wow <laughs> or more that is a liberal like interpretation <laughs> of the text i know i know did they ever I... tell you to do that 
So they mention a lot of things in passing that kind of are like nudges. So (laughs) my cousin is like a huge credit card churner. So he does like all of those points things. And my parents would very frequently be like, oh, your cousin just took your uncle on a trip to Taiwan. (laughs) They flew business class. And I would be like, okay, like... That's great, but I make $35,000 a year, so (laughs) you're going to be waiting. And I think as I got older and it became more clear that I was not going to be like broke and sad forever, (laughs) they would start dropping hints like during specific occasions. So like my mom would say like, oh, it's my birthday. Like, are you going to treat me to anything nice? (laughs) Or she would say the same thing about like Mother's Day and my dad's birthday. And obviously Chinese New Year, when you get older, you're expected to give red envelopes back to your elders. So they also remind me of that every Chinese New Year. (laughs) It's not subtle. It's it's very, very like, what are you going to get me this year? So Jenny, I think you've already peppered in with a lot of great color on on these topics, but we're now shifting mm-hmm. into like very specifically how this concept of filial piety differs from Western or American culture in terms of like how you perceive your relationship with your parents. So definitely like grain of salt, I think the way that Jesse and I are thinking of this is like also very stereotypical and like Mm -hmm. we're kind of like casting this stereotype over all western culture so i think that's why we wanted to have a real person to like (laughs) keep us honest yeah keep us honest call us out on our bullshit so one of the things that we have the perception of and i think we grew up as asian kids we grew up like kind of being jealous of this which is like western kids seemingly grew up with their parents feeling more like friends rather than authority figures like there was a more like friendly relationship and like some of my friends even called their parents by their first names which I thought was super weird yeah Yeah. (laughs) what do you think about that so definitely exists I had friends growing up where it was like they could have parties at their house and you know their (laughs) their parent was there it was cool that you had like a little wine cooler and uh, a margarita (laughs) in high school and I was, you know, not cool enough to be invited to a lot of those parties. But the one <laughs> I went to, I was like, wow, this is different. I will say I definitely had a really close relationship with my mom to the point where I didn't really view her solely as like an authority figure. She was definitely my mentor, someone I looked up to. I felt like I could be completely honest with her. And she definitely encouraged that. That's cool. I feel like... The way you described your relationship with your mom, I'm like pretty jealous of that. For my parents, especially my mom, who was the main one raising us when I was growing up because my dad was an entrepreneur. So he had a company that was based in China. So he would like fly back and forth every four months or so. So my mom was a consistent one. Like every day we saw her. And I think it was just easier for her to set rules that you have to follow and like this is our relationship. So I definitely did not feel like I should go to her for advice or like counseling of any sort. It was like my mom was just there to like say no and I'm gonna go to my friends to like get advice and to tell them what's actually happening with my life. My relationship with my mom is still evolving. When I was younger from grade school to high school, I would not say that she was a friend. Not that we didn't have a close relationship, but up until very recently, knew very few things about my mom, like in terms of her life when she lived in Taiwan. 
And mm-hmm. it's only as I've gotten older that I've started asking those questions. And I feel like she's been more forthcoming. But, you know, before then, it's not like we discuss those things. And I'm not really sure why that is. But because we never had those conversations, it's like hard to picture a person as your friend, right? Like you don't know anything about them. They're just kind of like mm-hmm. there in your life. So that's kind of how I felt towards my parents. Like we're very close, but I knew really nothing about them. It's also part of Eastern culture. I think you don't express or share your life without being asked about it. Like it's not just something you would do. And so if you only have this like one dimensional view into this person, how could you possibly think of them as anything but just like a supporting cast character in your life, right? Yeah, it's interesting too, just knowing that it sounds like they're not willing to kind of share or divulge vulnerability. And the only like connection I could make on my side is my dad is more stoic like military it's a little bit more of like a southern type of thing and not wanting to divulge things it's interesting that there's like this tinge of like how vulnerable do you want to be with your kids and like what's the balance between being like the authority figure versus like vulnerability but I'm curious like as you guys age have you noticed your parents being more forthcoming about you know their experiences and you know wanting to try and build a relationship outside of just the the parent role I definitely noticed that shift in my parents after I started working in New York, when they realized like, oh wait, she's gonna like stay there. <laughs> We're not gonna see her at all. Uh, I think that shifted things because they're like calling me all the time. I don't want to call them back. It's a bit of a like vicious cycle because if you were grown, if you grew up with parents that like didn't want to create a really like two-way dialogue type relationship, then it's hard as like a young adult to recognize that it's important to start building that relationship. So I think, especially in my early 20s, I definitely was just kind of like, well, you didn't treat me like you loved me when I was growing up, so I don't, why should I like reciprocate Mm -hmm. with something else now? It just like makes me a little sad that it took so long to like be open to want to build a solid relationship with them because they're getting old. So it's just like, you feel a little sad for lost years. So now that we've talked about what filial piety is, holistically, now that you have a concept of all of it, where do you personally stand on this concept <laughs> of filial piety being taught to all Chinese children as like a major way that you are expected to live your Oh, God. That's a lot of pressure, you know, just to <laughs> give my own opinion on that. Honestly, I think it's, um, there's definitely a beauty to it. I think for me, it was interesting to kind of see like how your obligation is really just about love and the way you express that in different communities is very different. And that's what I I think I always had in my head, like, oh, this is just a tool to, to get, you know, families and, and their kin to like live up to their expectations. But you guys have already set, you know, your own expectations. So in my mind, I've kind of transitioned it more of to like, this is just how your family unit comes together. And so I kind of, I like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> I would like it for my, you know, North Dakota and grandmother to whip me into shape. And, you know, <laughs> she becomes the matriarch where we all go over to her house. Like, I love that idea. 
I think my perspective on filial piety has changed a lot. I agree with you. There's a lot of beauty in the concept. I think the delivery, it needs work. Um, I feel like (laughs) at at its core, like you're saying, it is about love. And in my perspective, it's like, it's about gratitude. You were given this, you know, unbeatable gift of life. And so it's just different forms of showing gratitude for repaying this gift that can never be paralleled, right? So in that sense, I think that it is beautiful. So for my future kids, I think I would like to instill some of it, but I also would take away a lot of the rigidity around like, you need to give me 10% of your salary. Like that's just, <laughs> Jesse. Well, no, I agree with all of that. I think that love and service, obedience, respect, like those are very nebulous things. So it's hard to say like, I've delivered enough, I've fulfilled enough. Even saying that, that's kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? It's not about like a quota. It's about you finding your own gratitude, as you said, Angela, towards your parents for them taking you through basically the process of becoming an adult. So I feel like the gratitude that I found now towards my parents and over the last couple of years kind of has happened in spite of all that stuff. You know, like I don't believe in the rigidity of it as you guys mentioned like I don't believe you you have to be beholden to somebody but I do look back at my experience and I see you know the places where my parents made a lot of sacrifices for me and so that fuels my gratitude rather than the idea that you must be obligated to feel gratitude for your parents. So now that we've kind of discussed our what filial piety is and our feelings about it, how do we think this concept is going to change moving forward? My perspective is that it's never going to go away. Like my dad said last time, like Confucianism is one of the core foundation pieces of Chinese culture. So like it will continue in some way or form but there are a lot of things happening with like the way lives are led now that are bound to have an effect on like how strictly filial piety is adhered to so speaking specifically on Chinese families family members are migrating to different areas especially in China right like everyone's congregating to like the big cities of like Shanghai Beijing and others so like as you go to more urban environments that's naturally kind of breaking up the importance of family because you're just kind of apart and then even to like the greater extreme people are moving out of China like our families did that early on but like now it's like becoming very common for especially mainland Chinese that's naturally bound to like break up the family and break up your your sense of obligation I also think that families are just smaller now you know you don't have the 10 brothers and sisters scenario that our parents grew up with and I think the concept of filial piety is quite it's easier to swing when you have a village to take care Mm -hmm. of your parent but when it's just you or you and another person it becomes really much more difficult to bear that burden. I was also thinking about how many single people are actually, as you mentioned, migrating out of rural areas into urban centers, and how a lot of those people are either not going to have children, they won't be able to find a partner, or their families are going to be really small. So there's going to be a huge growing elder population where there is nobody to support that individual. Finally, I was also, I was having this conversation with my mom. She texted me this like funny picture of like one of those like man 
pulled buggies and she was like we never got to ride these when i was a kid because they were rich for rich people only mm. and i texted her back and i was like well now you drive a four-wheeled car isn't it amazing <laughs> how quickly things change but i think that's a, a a really nice illustration of how things have changed so quickly and how that can really affect how people can relate to one another even though we said that doesn't matter as a part of filial piety it, it, it does in terms of like how much you want to care about the care that you're giving other than it's an obligation and even though we talked about kind of like sense of self and being self-driven as like a core western tenant i feel like even with young chinese taiwanese people growing up now like of course i think we still have like a greater sense of obligation and like mm -hmm. you know the eastern values were brought up to believe but young people are also now having like more independent ways of thinking and like mm -hmm. desires for themselves so i think that will naturally also pull people a bit away from like the communal core of where filial piety comes from right because it is centered on this idea of like you being a piece of this broader puzzle of like your greater family unit how do you think as you mentioned this is going to play out for like western based asian american family it might go away honestly because mm -hmm. it really depends on like how much you as a parent want to continue that legacy and yeah. like even you and i just talked about with jenny like there are only pieces of it that we feel are worthwhile passing down mm -hmm. but i feel like you know asian american families with further generations are gonna stray like very far from this original way of life what about you i agree and i guess it worries me a little bit that there would be a situation if i had children that they would grow up without even being able to have that kind of family unit that they would be even further away from that yeah. because it's something that's causing me a little bit of like mental gymnastics anxiety right now yeah i can see how without the personal effort of the parents in question at the moment it's it's not likely that it'll continue i mean i think we discussed it though like i think we're going to pass down some of the tenants that are related to filial piety we are in a position to do a better job of explaining its significance and also focusing on the parts that really matter i mean like for my kids like i don't have any expectation that they will like uproot their life and come take care of me when i'm older but i do have the expectation that they will do small things that demonstrate their love i mean the money thing great if you want to give me some money great <laughs> but I really would just like to have that feeling of gratitude and love. I agree with you completely. I think it's more like our generation, we need to do like a remix of what filial piety means and really just focus on the core of it all, like showing love and gratitude. And I think it is going to depend on us being vulnerable with our kids in the future, mm -hmm. kind of like explaining where this comes from and why it's important to us and hopefully ingraining that in their lives so they can appreciate it and want to pass it on to their kids too okay this was great thanks for um looping me in on this this was a lot of fun yeah it was jenny thank you so much for joining us thank you 
Alright guys, well now we're at the very end of our episode and as always we like to close with a sweet treat in the fortune cookie section. Before we go ahead to share with you the funny part of the end of our episode, we would like to invite you guys to give us your feedback, your comments, share with us your stories if you have any experience with this or you learned something new from today's topic. You can email us at tell us where you're from at gmail.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E. Yes, and Jesse mentioned our sweet treat, and boy, did we have a sweet treat for you. <laughs> so you may or may not have noticed throughout the episode, but Jenny, our guest today, alluded to a dad joke that she really wanted to tell, and she spent all episode kind of, you know, hyping it up and getting it ready, so... I think it's pretty funny. At least her, at least her delivery is funny. So uh, we'll give it to you now for your sweet treat. I, okay. So um, this is oh god. There's like names tied to this. There's like this whole series of we'll just say her name's Myrna, but Myrna, and I'll say it in my North Dakota accent. Yes, I love your um, North Dakota. Myrna was, you know, trying to come up with a new carnation milk ad. And uh, so she loves carnation milk. Do you guys know what carnation milk is? Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's like a little, a little milk in a can, right? So you get the milk in the can. So she came up with a new carnation milk ad. Keep in mind, this is my great aunt telling this, this joke who is like well in her 80s, Elvis impersonator on the side, crazy riot woman. So... You know, Myrna went to went into the corporate office and she said, uh, you know, I, I have an entry and here's my entry. Carnation milk is best of all. No tits to pull, no shit to haul. No buckets to wash, no hay to pitch. Just poke a hole in the son of a bitch. And that is the joke. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but I like uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's like, I think it's more the delivery just coming from the old woman saying, like, poke a hole in the son of a bitch. But <laughs> that's it. it. I promised a joke and I gave you a joke. That's, that's it. That's so great. Didn't promise quality. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that sweet treat. Um, if you enjoy this episode and continue to love our podcast, we ask that you please continue to like, follow, subscribe, but also share, tell your friends about it. Um, tell your, tell your mom, tell your grandpa, tell whoever, cause we, uh, that, that's how this is going to continue in the future. We really hope to keep making new episodes for you. And with that said, come back next week because we will have something new and fresh for you then and until next time bye